What is the future of farming in Washington State? Well, you know me. I mean, that's something I think about all day, every day. Uh, what, what's the future, though, of, of communities across Washington State? People trying to heat their homes. You know, business trying to get stuff done here in Washington State. What's the future of our stream? All of this um, could be, this future could be very impacted by some things that have really come to the fore in the last few weeks relating to dams and what are the future uh, what's the future of the dams particularly on the lower snake river um that as we've talked about so many times in the show will impact the future of so many things including farming here in washington state good morning to you i'm dylan honkoop here on kgmi uh, with the farming show and um some secret negotiations have apparently been going on as we've reported here and has been reported so many other uh, places um, between kind of i want to say one side of this damn issue and it hasn't involved the other side, which would be farming, would be electricity customers, would be a lot of other folks um, that make up the state of Washington. So what is happening here? How is some kind of deal to possibly move towards taking these dams out? How is this happening with only a, a select few uh, involved in the conversation? And, and really, what is the big picture on this issue? Joining us this morning on the program is Karen Bud Fallon. Um, she is a senior partner at the Bud Fallon Law Offices over in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Uh, I met her uh, a year or two ago at the Cattlemen Convention. She had great perspective on this. She served for a couple of years in the Trump administration in the Department of Interior as their deputy solicitor for wildlife and parks so she knows a whole heck of a lot about the endangered species act which of course has a huge bearing on this issue of dams and many other things we discuss here on the program as well karen welcome to the program this morning um and, and we can kind of work backwards here but let's start off with with what's going on right now what's the deal with these negotiations it's between the federal government and just a a, a in some ways, a short list of, of stakeholders um, here in Washington and Oregon and Idaho? Yes, good morning, and thank you for having me on your program. So, as your listeners may know, there has been litigation regarding dams on the Snake River and Columbia since around 2012. Yeah. You've had National Wildlife Federation and numerous, not all of the Indian tribes, but a lot of the Indian tribes arguing to eliminate dams. You have farmers and ranchers and transportation folks and other members of Indian tribes litigating on the other side, on the same side as the National Marine Fisheries Service to say, no, we got to keep the dams yeah. in place. We recognize we got to protect salmon, but, but breaching dams is absolutely a bridge too far. And what's going on now is that it looks like from this draft settlement agreement, at least an initial analysis that got leaked, that the National Marine Fisheries Service, which is the federal agency that deals with anadromous fish like salmon, and some of the tribes, and I couldn't tell very clearly whether the National Wildlife Federation was involved in that negotiation or not, Yeah, but 
are basically negotiating a secret deal, which doesn't recall for the breaching of dams, but is leading to the breaching of dams. Yeah, yeah. How, how scary is this as far as those of us concerned about the future, particularly of agriculture, you know, for us here in Washington state, but even more, in the, more than that across the Pacific Northwest? I think it's very frightening. For one thing, you have farmers and ranchers that have intervened in this litigation and to exclude them from the negotiation room, I think sets horrible precedent that you can get a sweetheart deal if you're on the political side of the federal government. So I think that's one problem. Another problem is that when I read this draft settlement document, it only talks about how we need to provide energy for the tribes so that we can breach the dam. Hmm. It, there isn't anything about providing, I mean, the dams create hydropower. The whole purpose of the Columbia River and Snake River projects was to provide cheap hydropower to the Northwest. That's why Congress authorized those to begin with. And the Northwest was completely settled based on the fact that you could get electricity cheaply from these dams. And so now the the Biden administration, because of their their concerns, are saying, we're going to spend this huge amount of money doing alternative studies to be able to provide power to tribes as a precursor to taking out dams, not to the general citizens, not providing power, not considering whether wind and solar is actually as cheap or as as convenient or as reliable as hydropower. Yeah. We're just going to provide these alternate energy to these tribal entities and I guess good luck with everybody else. Now there had been a study talking about a pretty insane amount of money, if I recall, uh, you know, trying to essentially pay, mitigate for the loss of the dams recently. Um, and I know that was related to, for instance, Congressman uh, Mike Simpson there in Idaho, who had said, ah, maybe we should just go ahead and, and take uh, dams out um, and figure out how to mitigate the impact of, of having done that. So they're talking about more along that same line. I mean, I feel like this has been studied to a degree and, and the, the result of those studies was, yeah, we could mitigate for it. It would cost a huge amount of money, but no, we, we don't necessarily think this is the right thing to do now. Well, the, the document that was um, confidential settlement document didn't talk about mitigation necessarily. What it talked about was we're going to pay these massive amounts of money so that tribes could like put up their own wind projects or put up their own solar projects so that we would mitigate for the loss of the electricity. But I don't hear anybody ever talking about, is this electrical power as good as what we've got? I mean, it's frustrating that the administration thinks you can just flip a switch and all of a sudden change from coal and oil and gas to wind and solar and, and it'll be exactly the same. But well, the wind and, doesn't always yeah. blow and the sun doesn't always shine, so it's not the same. <laughs> yeah, and, and we talked about this issue uh, recently here on the program with Todd Myers uh, with the Washington Policy Center, and he was pointing out at that time, I'm sure it's changed since, in, since then, but when we had him on the program, he was saying, yeah, for the past week, we've had almost no wind activity, almost no wind power generation whatsoever. That's, that's the problem, and that's what people don't understand about hydroelectric power. It's not just a green source of power because it's hard 
harnessing Mother Nature to produce the power, but it also is a massive battery. Our, our reservoirs are essentially energy batteries that can fill the gaps in the power system when other things come and go and demand and supply has fluctuations. But people don't think about that. Like you're saying, when, when they're talking about replacing these, you know, I, I, my assumption is they aren't asking that question because they already know the answer. And the answer is no, it's not the same thing. Again, Karen Bud Fallon with us right now, uh, an attorney out of uh, Wyoming. Uh, she's been very involved with these issues for a long time, including a stint in, within the Trump administration in the, the Department of Interior. Um, wildlife and uh, the Endangered Species Act, which we know comes to bear on this issue in terms of salmon and particularly the ESA listed the Endangered Species Act listed Chinook salmon um, that are struggling so much um, even while many other runs are actually doing quite well mind you the data will show but the the Chinook have unique struggles and that, and I think people should be aware, this is unique. This isn't all salmon. This is Chinook salmon. They are the endangered species. But Karen, this, that, th this is your wheelhouse with your background. Talk about the significance of the dams and recovering salmon. I, I think all of this is predicated on really, in, in a lot of ways, assumptions that th these dams will recover salmon. A and they say even in, in these documents, the, basically the science is settled on it. When the scientists that I'm hearing from are saying, no, it's, it's absolutely not settled. And there's a lot more to the picture than these dams. And in fact, you know, streams without dams are struggling similarly to streams with dams. What's your take from your background on the significance of taking out dams and, and restoring salmon in the first place? I think that that is a huge problem, not just with salmon, but with all endangered species. The, this is the 50th anniversary of the Endangered Species Act, and there's really two schools of thought on the ESA. My view, and I absolutely believe the view of the congressmen and senators who voted for that act 50 years ago, was that we were going to put species on the list and then figure out the problem and get them off. Yeah. And so that recovery was the goal. And for recovery to be the goal, that doesn't mean that you just pick the quickest, easiest thing so you can say, yeah, I'm doing something, even if it's only a 1% chance of success. And I think that's the way Fish and Wildlife Service and NOAA Fisheries are looking at the act now. You've got the other school of thought by groups like Center for Biological Diversity and Wild Earth Guardians that believe the Endangered Species Act is like life support. And so we should put as many species on the list as absolutely possible. Don't worry about recovery. Just get them on life support and leave them there forever. And I absolutely do not think that that's what Congress intended. Yeah. I don't think it meant to leave species on the endangered species list forever. But look at the way that Fish and Wildlife Service and NOAA Fisheries treat these species. Yeah. They'll well, take an action, the simplest action, and then say, see, we're doing something when they haven't yeah. really studied it to figure out how to get the animal totally off the list. Well, I'm, and my view and folks, uh, you know, if you listen to this program, you know that that I, I'm pretty cynical about such things, but I have yet to be proven wrong um, in terms of the real motives behind some of these things. There is so much bias that goes into it. And it's not just political bias. More insidious is the, the bottom line bias, because you talk about life support. These things are life support for the budgets of groups like the Center for Biological Diversity. 
uh, which has become a, a political powerhouse. They like to throw their weight around, um, and they have millions upon millions of dollars. You know, be, between all the groups, the nonprofit industrial complex. Um, I've called it many times on this program. I think I stole that from Will Honey down in Skagit County. Uh, thanks, Will, for that. Um, but between all of them, billions of dollars dedicated almost exclusively to this idea of fish habitat. And if you understand the larger fish recovery issue, habitat is one of multiple pieces to recovering fish. You know, it seems like these folks have sunk so much effort into this and they have so much of their personal bottom line uh, riding on it that that why else you know why would they want to consider anything else being the problem you know to to a hammer everything looks like a nail and and i think that's a big part of what's going on here from your view karen what's really going on with these fish and what does the science actually say well i I'm understanding I'm not a biologist, but right. from all of the reading that I have done, there are lots of problems. There's ocean conditions, there's, there's migration, there's habitat, there is a lot of things that are impacting salmon. Yep. And I'm not going to say that, that everything is fine for the salmon because yep. we see by the numbers that it's not. Yep, exactly. But unless you take a coordinated approach... You're not going to get them off the list, and isn't and that's the point. Yeah. And when you talk about the industrial complex, I have to make a comment here, because several years ago I started looking at the amount of attorneys' fees that are paid to nonprofit groups to sue the federal government simply to get species on the list. Yeah. And it's astronomical, and there's no question that some of these groups, like Center for Biological Diversity, entire, I wouldn't say entire, but a significant amount of their financial existence is based on the payment of attorney's fees. When we were in the Trump administration, we tried to track that amount at Department of Interior. We could never do it. Mm -hmm. Just because it was so complex and, and so extensive. Yeah. And you've got all these different courts and everybody operating in different ways. And there's no good accounting system for how much money the federal government pays in attorney's fees to anybody. Well, and, and, and their donors pay insane. for their donors pay for their attorney's fees. The the federal government pays its attorney's fees. Many times, you know, in, in an in amongst all of these cases, there are a lot of settlements for various issues. Uh, and our tax dollars often pay out those. Um, and then, you know, we've taken it a step further here at Save Family Farming and talked in the past about things like the Rose Foundation, which I, I'm guessing you're probably familiar with, uh, Karen, in, in San Francisco, where settlement dollars in these kinds of cases go to and then get recycled back in some cases, as we've experienced right here in my home community, that same money from the settlement that a group was involved with comes back to fund them. So it's, it, it is almost a, a money laundering scheme to fund um, these this, again, nonprofit industrial complex um, with taxpayer dollars. 
it, it's insane and it's so much more focused on the money um you know that in in my mind is often the motive above and beyond whatever actually if you really cared about these fish you'd want to look at all of the issues and and these groups uh, time and again um avoid those issues they gaslight those who do want to look at those issues and here we could you know, yank these dams out and still be virtually no further ahead, maybe, you know, arguably potentially worsen things for salmon um, in this lower Snake River and in the the overall, you know, Columbia um, system. Um, and wh- where would that get us? Look at the destruction that this would cause. And in a lot of ways, that's what, I mean, when we talk about studies, this has been studied numerous times. Has it not taking out the dams? What would that do? And the answer time and again from the federal government itself was no, it's not worth it. Well, and the problem is, is we're not even looking at the collateral impacts because you start taking out dams so that you start having less irrigation water for ranches and farms and crops and your, we're already growing more pounds of beef and growing more crops on less acreage than ever. And the solution is not to get our food source from countries that hate us. Yeah. Which is is what uh, this and so many other things are pushing us toward here in in the U.S. and particularly in the Pacific Northwest where, you know, the cost of doing business between regulations, between uh, court risks, between so many different things um, that cost more and more money is, is becoming un, unfeasible. And and so, uh, yeah, where, where does that, the food's going to come from somewhere, right? Yeah. And, and I don't really want mine grown in Mexico where I know that beef slaughter facilities aren't as good. I know that my, my fruits and vegetables are not as clean. Yep. My transportation costs are going to go up. I mean, Wor- workers are paid 11, 13, 12, $13 a day. Uh, you know, if people care about labor issues, uh, why in the world would you not want to keep the food production here? The list could go on and on. And this is what we're so passionate about here at Save Family Farming. So, uh, we just have 30 seconds left, Karen. What's going to happen next? What's your view on this, your expert opinion as, you know, in, in this world and particularly as an attorney of, of where this is going to go? Well, it's my understanding that the judge has got a hearing and is going to make some final determinations on the settlement agreement this month. So we'll have to see where that goes. Um, the document made it clear that Congress governs the dams, so the dams aren't going to go without the federal government, but I worry about the millions of dollars in agency money that's going to get diverted to this when it's already committed yeah. to do other yeah. projects. Yeah, that's that's a good point as well. And I just remember um, hearing your talk, I, I think it was last year at uh, the Cattlemen's Convention. T- you know, at that time, it was, there was a lot of discussion about Jay Inslee and Patty Murray and you know, what was happening with Congressman Simpson, and it was very focused on legislative. And you said at that time, now th- this this story is going to be about what happens in the courts. And to me, that's that much more scary because it's less transparent. Uh, it's not, 
you know, it, it's not something that a lot of us are probably going to end up having a say so uh, if these folks get what they want. Again, Karen Bud Fallon with the Bud Fallon Law Offices in Cheyenne, Wyoming. A uh, long, long time attorney involved in these issues, as well as uh, former uh, deputy solicitor uh, for wildlife and parks in the Department of, in, of the Interior in the Trump administration. Karen, thanks for taking the time to chat with us and uh, keep us posted on this issue. There is so much riding on it. We can't afford to uh, sweep this under the rug or, or ignore it. I will do that. And thank you for shedding light on this problem.